0: hey everybody welcome to jfree 906 and the secret of skinwalker ranch that we like to talk about so much welcome to the live stream i am joined uh by my very special co-host tonight insider moderator shannon Desalvo. shannon thank you so much for being my co-host
1: i'm so happy to be your co-host <laughs> again it's always a pleasure yeah
0: I know it's been, I, I love having you on. You have such great insights and good things to talk about. I just absolutely love it. We are going to have an awesome show tonight. I, I you know, uh, James Keenan, author, field investigator. What a, a man. I tell you, if you, and I, I do have his YouTube channel linked in the description below. So if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, you need to do it. He's got a lot of videos out there. Most of them are relatively short and I'm looking at some of them now between five and 10 minutes, somewhere around in there. I saw James when I was at Phenomicon, that's where he and I met and he was a speaker there. I bought his books and darn it. I meant to bring those out. He's got several books that he has <laughs> written and I've got them. I've been reading those uh, through as well, but I tell you what, he's got to, We're going to have a lot of fun with James tonight, but I wanted to say first, as we get started, if you have not been out to the insiders page for the skinwalker ranch you need to check this out there's a link below uh, in the description that will take you right there to where you can sign up. it is a paid membership but you do get a free trial but being an insider is one of the funnest things that i have done in a long time wouldn't you agree shannon
1: oh absolutely it's been not just the like what it is but it's also the people that Mm -hmm. uh you get to talk to every day yes it's so it's been so much
0: fun and the interaction Uh, with the crew with the with the cast of the show uh and they do their uh, chips and salsa q and a's and and uh, we get to interact with them a lot Uh, eric will jump on there at any given moment so will uh caleb and the guys thomas Mm -hmm. it's it's really cool but there's a link below you can check it out there if you want to check out being an insider check that out. And uh, you can go out to the page and get the, like I said, there's a free trial for you to check it out and see what it's all about and then become part of the collective. The
1: collective. That's right. (laughs) Come be part of the collective. Mm.
0: Yes, indeed. Oh, and thank you for the insiders that have come by tonight. We really appreciate you. Okay. Mr. James Keenan, sir, thank you so much for coming on the show
2: tonight. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me
0: i tell you what, uh, ever since I met you at Phenomicon, I, I, and, and I got to hear you speak and on multiple occasions and then especially out at McConkey ranch, uh, I said, man, I, I, if, if I get anybody to come on the show, glad <laughs> to be Mr. Keenan, uh, you know, I, we we'll talk about some of this as we go along here, but I mean, you're the way you, he it, folks, James conducted the tour at McConkey ranch. We went out there and we met the folks that owned the ranch. You conducted the tour, and you talked about all the petroglyphs and pictographs that are on the walls there, and then all the way down the canyon. It was fantastic. But when we get started here, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, and how you got interested in all of this research that you've been doing.
2: Sure. So uh, I was always interested in uh, ancient history. I always knew it just wasn't right and anthropology archaeology were my majors when i re- was getting my degrees um, during that time though i was in law enforcement uh, and also private investigations and at some point you know i just got sick and tired of investigating what you know i i had no longer i'd lost a lot of interest in it and i really wanted to uh, go out in the field like i had done when i was uh, earning my degrees at ucsb and mm-hmm conduct uh, investigations and research on what I find fascinating, which is uh, ancient distant lost history. Uh, You know, a lot of what people always say is paranormal or high strangeness that I think is just a lot of misunderstanding connected to this history. Mm -hmm. And I I am absolutely passionate about, uh, as you know, uh, giants, um, yes. I, I, I think uh, they play a big part. Everything in our history seems to go back to giants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, you, you find all these really interesting uh, Native American, Mesoamerican, uh, other sites, Phoenician sites, Armenian sites around the world. And they're always tied into what? These uh, strange... Uh, occurrence, locations, areas of high strangeness. Mm -hmm. My big one is, uh, you know, the Uinta Basin. And uh, I started out there with the petroglyphs and the pictographs, not really knowing much about Skinwalker Ranch. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, you know, I, I think they're tied together and there's no way of breaking that apart.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, you touched on giants. We will go there too. You know, we'll talk about that as we go along here because.
2: Let's go there. Huh? Let's go there. He's ready.
1: Let's start with it.
0: (laughs) Well, if you want, we could start with it. You know, I, I, that's one of the things that uh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, people say, oh, giants, you're, that's, what are you talking about? That's a bunch, you know, like the whole Bigfoot thing or whatever. But I tell you, giants were in the Bible. I mean, I'm a Christian and I've read the Bible through a couple of times. Giants are in the Bible. So, I mean, yep. yeah. Lineage Rafa. yeah, yeah. I, You know, <laughs> um, Goliath was a giant, right? So, I mean, they were there and they were talked about. So take us there a little bit. I mean, you've done some research on that. A lot of research on this. What's your feelings on the whole thing? What, what, what have you discovered with this?
2: Well, when you really delve deep into the historical data uh, from, you know, many, many different cultures and civilizations around the world, uh, oral tradition from the Native Americans, absolutely everything leads back to giants, which is really interesting. Uh, A lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, they think Sumeria is the oldest, uh, civilization and that was really recent that that even came about we didn't really know about them until uh, you know the 20th century but what people don't know is all that cuneiform was really created to uh, trade with the ancient Armenians which were the Mount Ararat people and lo and behold that whole story starts with uh, Hike and Baal. Baal was this villainous giant that had enslaved the humans And Hike got tired of it and defeated and killed him and gave them their freedom. And and the the ancient Celts are actually from Mount Ararat. They later broke off and made their way towards the British Isles. And you have uh, the Phoenicians, uh, you know, that also have their origins in that area that were always mining and looking for gold and copper and all this. And they went to Malta and Sardinia, which is huge with the giants, the Neuragic culture, this bronze age culture that little is known about mm-hmm. all their artifacts were about these giants. And then it's crazy because the giants that are there in uh, Sardinia and Malta look identical to the giants that are in Vernal, Utah on the petroglyphs mm-hmm. and in the artifacts that were found at nine mile Canyon. Yep. And in Mesoamerica, you have the UAMS and the Kinametsen giants that are constantly going back and forth between North America and Central America. And they're tied to uh, origin for so many different cultures that were worshiping them until uh, they finally fought back and and killed them off or broke free from the enslavement. So it's just all these attachments. And and it's just, I find it fascinating uh, that there's all this history and You know, you can get away from people always ask me, well, what about those uh, those bones or the mummies that the Smithsonian took? I don't know anything about that. I think there's enough evidence um, in the historical data to be able to provide proof that they exist. And, uh, you know, moving forward, one of our big uh, things with the research team that I'm a part of is we're actually, actually going out to locations that we believe there may very well still be uh, burial sites of the giants. And we have the right equipment. We have ground penetrating radar, 3D ground imaging, these uh, deep detection, metal detection systems. So I'm hoping soon, you know, we'll find some evidence. And I promise you, I will not call the Smithsonian until it's documented.
0: <laughs> so, I know,
2: right? Right. That makes
0: sense. Uh, yeah. Because they uh, they disappeared. I mean, every time they find, like you said, every time they find these bones and all of a sudden they're gone. Where do they go? Oh, what's, and, and that's just, you know, what's happening there? What's what's causing that? So we know that they've existed. I mean, it's been documented over the years. Um, and, and you look at some of the structures that have been created um, with the stonework right. that is monster for, mankind that as we know in our size and height and and we are in some cases much taller than you know you know hundreds of years ago you know would it would it is it very possible that that larger stature beings were able to do this kind of work much easier than you know uh, us in our size i mean would they been involved in these in these structures of these walls that are giant walls with giant you know stones that weigh tons and tons what's your take on that and the portals you know we'll get to the portals in a minute but i mean oh my gosh what do you you think about all that
2: no they definitely played a part in it uh even when you go through the historical data you're always coming back to the giants may not have uh you know built it with their hands but they definitely directed the workforces because if you think about it, it it's logical thinking that it you know, we don't know what the heck has been here. This planet has been here for a long time, and there could have been civilizations and cultures two, three, four, five million years ago, 100 million years ago, far more advanced than we are. And over time, uh, you know, all that information was lost. Well, with the giants that we're aware of uh, now, we see this systematic decline in height. Uh, And that's obviously because of major catastrophic events that occurred. Most of them were killed off uh, along with uh, Homo sapiens that were here. You have all these religious stories or stories, um, you know, from Sumerian times or from, you know, you said you're Christian, the Bible uh, that match this. So who's not to say that uh, there were beings of great stature, how great Probably very large back then. I mean, look at the foliage and the fauna that existed. They were huge. Yep. So easily, uh, some type of uh, uh, hominid could have been that large. Mm-hmm. And then we saw this uh, reduction, you know, over the course of especially the last catastrophic event, which was more than likely a great deluge, uh, and then their need to interbreed with Homo sapien, which then reduced them to. Uh, humans of great stature and you're right um, you know when you look back at the native americans that were here their average height was five foot three so if you're talking about uh, a a white red-headed individual or blonde individual that's six foot eight to seven foot two walking around i mean we would still consider that giant right now and i'm five foot eleven yeah Uh, (laughs) but yeah they're giant
0: yep wow yeah, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, that's in the evidence. And I had, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, John popped in here and he said, uh, ask this question here. What do you think of the Nephilim?
2: Yeah, they're, uh, again, another part of this story. Uh, y- you know, if you, if you believe in the Nephilim, you believe in this uh, genealogy going to Rafa, uh who was uh, Goliath, was a uh, descendant of Rapha. So we, we see these giants all over the world and we know them by different names, but I definitely believe that origin was the same uh, for humans as it was for these beings. So humans had origin after a major catastrophic event. There were multiple locations where people survived underground and that's origin. It would be the same for the giants. Mm-hmm. And we have all these stories where their gods or uh, those, you know, they were. with them or they killed them off or it was on purpose who knows Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had these major catastrophic events forever going on and the nephilim definitely are part of that historical data that exists not just in a single location but coming to us from multiple regions or multiple areas around the world yep wow
0: yeah if you find the bones uh you know give me a call Yes. Uh, you got my number? Call me. Uh, you know, we'll get you on the show right away. We'll go live. <laughs> you got your own channel. I know you can
2: do it yourself. Sure. So you don't
0: need me, but I'd love to be part of it. I'll get you
2: involved, Jeff. It's all right. Yes. <laughs> that
1: would be
0: awesome. I'll I tell you, because that, you know, like I said, I, I want the evidence to be uh, shown, just like we do with so many different things, you know, like Bigfoot. I, I, I've i always, and Mike Owen knows this, Mike and I, you know, Mike had convinced me. Uh, he's another, Mike is another one of the moderators for um, the, uh, he works with Shannon and the moderator for the Skinwalker Ranch Insiders. Um, and Mike and I were talking and, and about Bigfoot. I've always been one of those people on the fence with Bigfoot. Um, but he said, Jeff, when you go to Phenomicon, check out Expedition Bigfoot folks um, and, and, you know, Sage and all of them and see what, what, you know, and Dr. Mariah and, and see what they have to say and and take it from there and see what you think and i said okay i'll I'll give it a a full-on because i I try to remain open-minded about all these things right so i did i go to phenomenon i sat through these um the speaking engagements of all of them uh and i was like listening to dr mayor you know mariah coming out and telling her story about her background um And then, you know, Sage coming out and talking about, and then going back and revisiting the show, I'm like, okay, I got to talk about this because here you have such credible people like yourself, you know, you are a very credible person in the research that you do. Um, and for them to come out and, 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 and get into this investigation, um, again, like Mariah, she doesn't come out and say Bigfoot is this. She says, I'm here to find out and and search for evidence and see, you know, what, what we can come up with. Um, And that's her approach. But I mean, with her at, with her background and the background of all of them, um, Ronnie Locke and all of them, I mean, it's just, they put together such a crew of people. You have to take what they're doing seriously, you know, and that's what I've come to find. So I talked to them about coming on the show. We're going to, we're working on that, you know, to get them scheduled to come on at different times. But, um, so you wrote, one of your books you wrote was on Bigfoot and related Bigfoot with Skinwalker Ranch. Right. Um, so what, what's your take on the whole Bigfoot uh, phenomena, if you don't mind going down that road real quick?
2: Yeah, so I, I I'm, haven't been too much into Bigfoot. I, I really introduced the Bigfoot character in that book so that it could delve into the giants and into what I believe are these magnetic portals that exist Um, well, I, I believe one does exist there at Skinwalker Ranch and there's another location there in the Uinta Mountains that I believe one exists as well. Um, and what I was doing was, as you know, there was a, that's a trilogy. So the first one was the UFO and an alien, then the shapeshifter scare and and then Bigfoot at Skinwalker Ranch. And what I did was I wanted adolescents and young adults to really understand the different, High strangeness uh, paranormal. So I went through each one with that intention, as well as uh, getting around my NDAs (laughs) with certain uh, groups. You know, and obviously there's a lot I'd love to tell, um, but I I firmly believe in it. Um, So the Bigfoot is probably what I've least really investigated and looked into. And, uh, you know, you have these two camps. One believes that it's uh, some type of lower hominid than a homo sapien. And then the other ones believe it's far more advanced, capable of interdimensional travel. And I tend to be in that camp. Yep. So that was what I introduced in that book was uh, the ability for these uh, Big, Bigfoot uh, creatures to be able to uh, travel through uh, these portals. And I really got detailed about how I believe these portals work. Um, you know, a big part of my research is in uh, magnetic fields. Uh, I believe it tells us a lot more than, we, than most people really understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, it, getting really technical what an electron diffusion region is and that on the other side, there happen to be these giants. So, yeah, it was m- many fold on what I, I used, uh, you know, to get across in that book. Right.
1: So I'm sure I look like a deer in the headlights because I don't, I have not done (laughs) any, (laughs) I have. this is like the first time really that I'm listening. I'm very intensely listening to you talk about giants. Um, Mm -hmm. That's probably the least in like, I haven't of all the things. It's the least I've investigated. Um, So do you believe that giants are part of this, like still part of the whole story that's happening right now? Like, still existing but not here in a different dimension traveling or do you think that they were here and then they've all died off or you know,
2: yes so uh, no no of course um so my, to date i believe that we're looking at them in a historical background that their okay. time has come and gone um,
1: got it okay
2: but you know, you hear these one-offs all the time about uh, giant being located and they always seem to be, guess where, underground in a cave system. And, th- and then we're getting into another one of, uh, you know, my hot topics on research and investigation that the team that I'm with gets into. So, you know, is there a possibility for uh, other entities or beings to live elsewhere here on the planet? Oh, absolutely, uh, underground. In you know, in the waters and under a freshwater uh, lake or in the sea, yeah, there's a possibility. But currently, I think it's enough just to be able to try to show all these connections in our history that everything leads back to giants because it appears that we as Homo sapiens were worshiping them and that they were actually our deities. Right. Like, That's
1: what I was thinking as you were talking. Um, I took a course last semester that was like, you know, history. And it was sort of the origin history of like different religions and things. And one of the things that I often thought about it was like, well, where did these origin stories actually come from? Like, what were they referencing when they're referencing these gods and things? And um, I think it's interesting because we are always discovering new things all of the time. I think it's only been it hasn't even been that long that I read in the news about like them talking about how sloths were these gigantic creatures because right. they just found bones. So, it, I mean, it makes complete sense. I just wasn't sure. It'll be one of those huge discoveries. So, yes, if you find the bones, yes. <laughs> don't, don't call anyone. <laughs> don't call anyone. No, 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 no. We'll bird.
2: document <laughs> it absolutely before.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Wow. There, there's a lot we've documented that we haven't released yet. So... It it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. want little by little. In. Yeah. <laughs> little by <laughs>
0: little. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I've had a few more people who have uh, uh, jumped into, uh you know, mentioning things about the um, the McConkie Ranch uh, tour, um, Jim, uh, that you got to meet Jim uh, out there. At, yeah. Uh, hey, Jim. Uh, Jim and Roger, a couple of great guys that they've been on the show with me as inside, they're insiders as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we we love that that that. I'll tell you what let's let's go ahead and jump into that real quick um you know the mcconkey ranch the petroglyphs and the pictographs out there we do i i, I know i was going to start off with skinwalker ranch and here i've gone everywhere but there uh, but let's talk about that real quick you took us out to the um mcconkey ranch to see these and you have done years of study on yes. these things and i know that we could make a four-hour show out of your knowledge Uh, that you have on this or more, but, uh, you know, I guess one of the, one of the hard parts I have with these is how can we say that they're really, really old or were they made within the last 50 to a hundred years? I mean, how, is there any way that we can make that determination besides saying, well, so-and-so saw them here and he was, you know, 90 years old or he was, you know, how else can we date these things to find out what their age?
2: Yeah, and it's extremely difficult to, you'll hear a lot of other archaeologists or anthropologists give you these specific ages, even there it says on the plaque 0 to 1250 uh, common era. Well, I think they use AD there, but um, the way, the main way that these petroglyphs have been dated was we look for site locations uh, where artifacts were and where organic material was found, mm-hmm. and They are hopefully, you know, it's all a, a guessing game, really, hoping that those petroglyphs were created by that culture that was occupying that site and left that organic material that was capable of being carbon dated. And that's where we get that information. So it's a guessing game, Jeff. And really, I think we're way off. I think a lot of these are a lot older. And the way that I... Come to that conclusion is actually by going through the oral traditions, the history of the indigenous people. That's what I was wondering, yeah. And, and you know, while we're at uh, certain sites up in the Uinta Mountains, above the Uinta Basin, above uh, Dry Fork Canyon, where McConkey Ranch is, uh, we come across these sites and we start excavating and we start finding um, just within a few feet these paleo Indian artifacts. So if we have Paleo-Indian, which are some of the oldest, they're pre-desert archaic, pre-Fremont, pre ute pre-Shoshone, pre-Paiute, you know, you're probably talking about 6,000 to 10,000 years at just a few feet. Mm -hmm. Well, these these occupation sites go well below a few feet. Mm -hmm. We have ones in southwest uh, Utah where they just started finding the artifacts when they hit the 12-foot level of dig. So mm. I think we're way off wow. and it, it's very hard. People will talk about patina dating, you know, uh, on uh, desert varnish, the patina, right.
1: yeah, but the you got to
2: remember, yeah, the, a lot goes into that too. A location, you know, is it in the sun? Is it out of the sunlight? You know, does this side of the rock get more rain than that side of the rock? Right. You know, yep. uh, what is erosion done? So it is. It's really a guessing game. There's until we invent a time machine that can take us back and we watch the, you, you know, the artist that created the rock art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, just like I always tell everybody, like when we were there, you know, uh, even interpreting the uh, petroglyphs and pictographs themselves. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. If, if right. even if a Native American uh, elder tells you this is what it means. No, it, it's not because his culture wasn't part of that Fremont or that desert archaic. And uh, the only person that knows what it was, was the artist that created the rock art. Everything else is subjective. Now, if I see uh, a different uh, abstract piece, or if I can look at abstract drawings and realize it's a map or something, then absolutely we're able to say, hey, this is a map. We can see it. We can follow it. But 95% 95% of the anthropomorphic zoomorphic and abstract figures that make up this rock art. It, it's, it's, you know, my opinion, it's subjective opinion mm-hmm. and nobody will really for sure know what it was, uh, yeah. including it. And it drives me crazy when you, you know, I always try to say that too. If I I'm asked to appear on a show to be the expert, it, it's really difficult to, to do that. And I don't want to, for people to think that my opinion or this native american elder's opinion is the truth because it it, it may may be completely wrong and you see that with the swirl those abstract swirls you know i talked about it that i think at the end they were just like what we find on tile in our bathroom they were used so frequently (laughs) you know but that there are certain portal glyphs because i've seen them in six different countries now and you have to look at the big picture what's around this glyph or all the glyphs around it, what is the recessed area of the rocks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to get into it. And then you can start forming uh, something more than an opinion. Yep.
1: I think that's one of the most fascinating things to me is uh, that you've got all of these separate, simultaneous. Uh, images that have appeared all over the world in cultures that had no way of communicating with one another. And yet they're so similar in how they look and, uh, and the timing of it. That's one of the most fascinating parts of all of it to me. It's like that in and of itself, I think warrants more discussion about what they mean or what they could mean um, because you've got all of these just like separate simultaneous images that emerged that human beings left behind. And it just, I don't know why people don't talk about that. I think the petroglyphs and the pictographs are one of the most interesting things to me. That's kind of one of the driving forces as to how I even kind of ended up at Skinwalker ranch interest and all that. It's because I feel like they're all connected, but that's very, very fascinating. I think that's one of like, we've got history, we've got actual artifact it's right in front of us. Um, and it's like, oh, you can explain it as being something specific to the area. But then when you're looking in at stuff in Australia or like, it's just like all over the world, it's kind of yep. like, I don't know, this seems like they might be. And they're such similar images. And I mean, I compare that even just with like, when you're talking about evolution and brain development and like, what are the odds of these people evolving and literally drawing the exact same thing if they're not seeing the exact same thing? So, right. Um, you've traveled so and seen things everywhere, James. Um, have you? Well, I, I wish everywhere,
2: uh, <laughs> quite a few, quite a few countries. Um, uh, y- you know, what I'm trying to document is there are abstract features in these glyphs around the world where it looks like it is, uh, writing. Um, we yeah. see a lot of what looks like ancient Chinese, uh, ancient Hebrew and ancient Oam from the Celts here in the Americas the desert southwest so the only way to be able to figure out if it is is to go to those countries uh-huh. and see what was documented in their uh, rock art and sure enough there are these uh, glyphs that it has to be a form of writing um, especially the the ohm the these uh, celts were here uh, especially in utah because there's so much of it mixed in with the the different cultures meaning that whoever they were that were here were traveling they were traveling to each one of these Mm. different cultures and teaching them uh, what that is i don't know i i do know that the symbols uh, are the same for that reason so like i said until you can start forming all these connections um, you know everything's subjective but then uh, the only way to move uh, further in the research and understanding is by doing just that, by going to each one of these locations, and then going to that uh, specific country. Like um, my plans are soon to be in Sardinia and Malta, so that I can even wow. uh, connect more the the uh, petroglyphs that were in Vernal mm-hmm. from the the Vernal style Fremont uh, culture,
1: right.
0: You know, I've talked about that before, and I know you got a point out you want to make there, Shannon. And But I was going to say, too, that real quick, that, you know, back then, my my observation on all of this was that they didn't have, you know, they didn't have this cell phone to take a picture of history and write it down. So what did they do? They had to put it somewhere. They had to draw or carve what they were seeing to record that somewhere. Right. So I think that's what they had to do with these pictographs and petroglyphs they had to they were they were marking down and recording what they
2: were seeing right is that
0: kind of what you feel on that
2: well and and you just made a great point so maybe there was 10 million years ago uh, a civilization here that had something similar to our cell phones or better but it's technology that's lost what is the one thing that's not going to be destroyed exactly the stone You know these megalithic structures—they survive everything. Mm -hmm. So where are we going to get our history from? Only what survived cataclysmic events. Mm -hmm. So when you you know um, you look at certain uh, artifacts, one being the Astlan giant statues in Tula. As a matter of fact, I was just there a couple months ago, and the anthropologists immediately say these are atlattles on their side that they're holding. But if you really look at it closely, it looks like pneumatic drilling tools or mining tools, which I find really fascinating. As a matter of fact, when I compare an atlattle to what I see, you really have to stretch your imagination (laughs) to accept it as an atlattle. But if I pull out a pneumatic drill, uh, or these larger drills that are being used on commercial mining sites, they look dang similar. I mean, it, you may not be able to tell, you know, the difference between what's just current and what was from, you know, the Toltec era a thousand years ago. So. Right. Yeah.
1: So then you don't think that they're separate is what I'm hearing, right? Is that what you're saying? Because I'm sitting here going like, oh, these are separate separate things happening simultaneously but i feel like what you explained is that they possible that they did travel and they did oh. know that they were spreading this stuff around even though we've been kind of traditionally taught in history that they sure. these civilizations didn't know one another
2: right. and here's a perfect example uh, so in the 1940s we finally accepted the fact that the olmec were a separate culture uh, before that we were they're maya they're maya it's maya and then suddenly 1942 or 47, okay, it's the Olmec. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's an incorrect name, by the way, that that was accidentally given to them. The Olmec actually lived with the Aztec people and were known as the rubber people. So we have them incorrectly labeled. But you look at all their artifacts and they're all different types of people. So what is that telling us? It's telling us that this area, all of Mesoamerica was a melting pot, just like the current United States. And we had all these seafaring people or other, maybe portals, you know, who knows, um, traveling. <laughs> yeah. There was this huge <laughs> amount of commerce taking place in Mesoamerica and the Olmec were not an individual group of people. They were many that just like the current United States. Uh, so that's why we have the large heads look like they have some African descent in them. And then we have a lot that was found uh, off the Gulf of Mexico that looked Persian. So it's just incredible. And I think I always tell people, you know, uh, science uh, advances one death at a time. So when the old (laughs) guard passes, the new guard, yeah, they're willing to accept more. And I think we're getting to that point where uh, the the younger archaeologists are more open-minded to what they can and cannot, to what they can say. Um, And hopefully people will start, maybe private uh, company companies or people that are more into that will start providing grants for them where then they're right. more than happy would be to awesome. say what they really feel because they know they won't be shut out from the grant money or fired mm-hmm. from these universities or museums. Yeah,
0: See, that's the thing that uh, Dr. Uh, Travis Taylor and I were talking about at Phenomenon, um, was the fact that, you know, you know, he was he was looking at it on the side of you know UFOs UAPs and how now we're starting to that's starting to be released. Our government is saying, yeah, yeah, they're, they're out there, we don't know what they are, but we are acknowledging that there is, you know, strangeness going on in the sky, but we don't know what they are. So we're starting to see that happening now, but academia needs to get on board and they need to stop this shunning of anybody who comes together with these different ideas about like, even the whole thing about the giants or whatever, they're automatically going, Nope, you talk about that. You're not getting your grant money. Like you said, you're going to be, you're going to be uh, shunned from the academia world. But now we're finally starting to see that changing and it's, it needs to, because if they were to get on board with this, I mean, people like yourself come and, and Shannon being educated into these different areas, To Now you can research these things without worry of being tossed out on your ear because you're a lunatic. I mean, it's just crazy where it's been all these years. And you're right. It needs to open up.
1: I think it will come with the changing of the guard. Uh, Honestly, I think it's interesting to think about the fact that like. Uh, the generations that have grown up in the last like 50 years, we've been exposed to a lot of, like sci- just the genre of like sci fi and these storytelling and like mass consumption of these, uh, you know, movies and all of those things uh, in adolescence, I think, is giving people now in their, you know, their young adulthood and their adulthood kind of more freedom to discuss things, but it's the older university heads that are like, ah, oh, we're not going to spend money on this. Because that's what I'm looking at now, being in school. I'm like, uh, by the time I finish school, perhaps there'll be funding. If not, I'm just going to be a rogue researcher, which is fine. But you just kind of hope that like, um, you know, how do we make progress unless we're willing to go to the edge of things and start looking out? Like how how is it, You're just, otherwise you're in a bowl right? Like you, you're supposed to want to go to the edge and like kind of look at and see what else is there. And I think if we're thinking about it, then it warrants further thought, especially if a large group of people are coming together and being like, there's a lot of evidence here, you know, it's worth looking into. Absolutely.
0: Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I think it's finally starting to happen because people like yourself are willing to get out there and put your reputation on the line to, to get this information out there. And I applaud you for that. I mean, uh, that's, that's something it, it takes a lot of guts to get out there and, and be able to talk about this. It's like the same thing with, you know, the folks, uh, Ronnie LeBlanc and and all of them with the expedition Bigfoot, um, uh, to, to even be able to, to say, yeah, I'll be on that show. I mean, they were all taking a major risk with their careers by even being part of a TV show like that. And, and, and so for them to have the guts to do that, I applaud them as well. You know, right or wrong, if you got the, if you find the evidence or not, which we all hope that they do, um, they, they've made the choice to get out there and do it. And, and it's, it's a, it's a great thing and more people need to get on board with that. And I think it'll start to change that whole stigma, quite honestly. Yep. Um, James, we know that you have worked with, uh, you know, I mentioned in the pre-show we were talking about, uh uh Christopher Bartell and Carl the Crusher and you have uh done a lot of work with them and Carl was on the show. He and I were talking about it. And again, folks, I got uh Chris Bartell's coming on the show. One week from tonight, he'll be on the show uh, at 7 30 uh and you're gonna be talking about I actually I'd love to have all three of you <laughs> on the show together. Wouldn't that be that'd something? be great. Yeah I would be quite to the show that, to see if we can combine you guys all together because you have worked together uh, and you've gone into some, some not only in different places around everybody, everybody keeps talking about the Uinta Basin. Um, and I know I'm not pronouncing that quite right the way the locals call it, but Uinta uh, Basin, Utah Basin, something like that. Anyway. Uh, but this, the, not only is it, it's not confined to this basin. You guys have been all over the place. Carl's been in Nevada, got finding right. kinds of things. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the places you've been and the things you've seen together as a group, as
2: Sure. Team? Yeah. So, well, as a matter of fact, I just got back uh, just a couple days ago from being with Carl, and we were investigating uh, the Mount Wilson ranch, which is really interesting because until yeah. a few months ago, I didn't know that Robert Bigelow owned another ranch. Here's what's I mean, crazy is um, Robert Bigelow, and uh, several of his team uh, were put off and them were at Mount Wilson when they got the call and information about Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. uh, yeah. NIDS. So they actually received that call there on the ranch. And they so they're, he had purchased both because of the high strangeness that was occurring at both of them. Okay. And it's a really interesting story about Mount Wilson. How uh, I think it was Air Force personnel that knew Bob um, tipped him off as to what was coming out, what artifacts were being removed uh, from the mountain while they were working on this MX missile program uh, that was supposed to be a a moving train system underground so that the Soviets could uh, could never take it out. It would always be able to launch. And, uh, so it's just really interesting. So I was like, you know, what the heck are you talking about this other ranch? So yeah, we were out investigating there, which is in Nevada. And then, um, we were just north of St. George in what Carl has now labeled the magic Mesa. And I had an interesting experience there where I got pretty ill, um, while I was working inside a medicine wheel. Um, cause you know, I, am a scientist. I, I, I have to take the data. I have to collect it and I don't really think about those things all the time, which I should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, but that's a whole different story. So, um, yeah. So I was, I watched with it him. It's you're, yeah. yeah, I did your too. You? I, on I on also YouTube. watched it. Yeah. I also awesome.
1: watched it. And,
2: and yeah. And then, uh, so Chris and I have known each other for a uh, lo- uh, longer period. We actually met Carl, uh, at last, well, I met Carl at last year's Phenomicon. Mm-hmm. uh and, and now, uh, and there's a few other members of the team uh, that are out in the Uinta Basin. But uh, yeah, so we've been to other locations trying to find these commonalities between uh, what we're seeing. And like uh, Chris and I were out just a few months ago and we figured out why the mesas were lighting up at Skinwalker Ranch and and at the Magic Mason it was because of the rocks. What happened was we had our sunglasses on and Chris has this really dark tint on his truck. And as the sun was beating down on these rocks that cover the mesa, they were lighting up brilliant purples and pinks and reds and greens. And as you moved, it would shoot across the mesa. Really? So at Mm. night something is causing that same effect. Now we have to figure out what that is, that, what that lighting is that's causing that double um, exposure to the, to the rocks. But yeah, so all these rocks are all over the mesa, at both sites and sure enough, that's what we see on television happening. Wow. So, but yeah, so yeah, it's just uh, trying to find the commonalities in locations uh, along with what we're seeing in the Uinta Basin and the Uinta Mountains.
0: You found, you You talked about that, you know, folks, I'm, yeah, Max asked the question about a medicine wheel, uh, and he asked, what is a medicine wheel? If you want to describe that real quick, but I wanted to say too, Max, for those of you watching, um, and I do have the link uh, below for it, you need to go out and check out uh, Mr. Keenan's uh, YouTube channel and subscribe and check it out, his videos. He, like I said before, he's got a lot of them out there, and they're all relatively short, but very informative and it's him going out and doing investigations. So check those out and you'll see the one of the medicine wheel. Did you want to describe what a medicine wheel was for him?
2: Yeah. The, so, and again, remember in my thing, I, I didn't want to give background or history on a medicine wheel because again, there's many different opinions as to what it was. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll get 50 people after this saying <laughs> I was wrong or no, this yeah, is what okay. it is. Yeah, I understand. So, It's a site location that is used for some type of uh, shamanic practice or a gathering. Uh, It's also known as a medicine hoop because there really was no such thing as the wheel to the Native Americans. And you find this different energy there. And what I mean by that is I actually recorded it. It's a very low difference in the electromagnetic field Mm -hmm. There was about a one milligauze difference between the average mean of what was around it and what was inside the wheel. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting was probably about 70% of the rocks were hot rocks. They were uh, magnetic, maybe magnetite or some type of iron oxides in them. So I don't know if this plays into uh, that energy because, again, remember, we're talking about magnetic fields. That's one of my big things. So It always seems to come back to these magnetic field shifts or differences, these electron diffusion regions where um, a magnetic force is coming into contact with an electromagnetic force and it's charging the particles. Um, Those electrons are being charged and we're getting these X points, these uh, breaks in uh, what people like to call an interdimensional or... uh, a dimensional shift or a gravitational shift where gravity gets stronger as it crosses over. So it's right. really interesting how with just tiny little changes in, in them, uh, in them fasting and in using simple tools as, such as drums and a tool or a reed type of instrument that they were able to shift and change these frequencies and vibrations with what we're now using these massive lasers trying to open up these interdimensional gateways or portals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're always, it has to be a lot of energy. It has to be yeah. all this. Yeah. No, they they had it. They had it down packed. They just fasted. They got into that. Uh, I think a lot more is controlled by our mind. Yes, I, You know, when you look at what Bigelow and NIDS was after, and you say, mm-hmm. these are physicists, physicists, and they're more worried about, you know, things like, um, like, afterlife or being able to remote view and that it's all done by the mind yeah you got to start thinking you know the the native americans and the the cultures before us and civilizations knew far more than we lost that information yes and and it's a lot simpler to do what we see on television and science fiction being done with lasers or with um, you know photons or things of that nature so Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think that over the course of time, uh, we are dumbed down. And this is one of the reasons right here. Our technology has dumbed us down. And I think that you're exactly right that, you know, years ago, many years ago, they didn't have television. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have all these things to distract and basically dumb us down. They had the sky to look at and, and understand uh, and study. And their minds were more open to these types of things, and I think you're exactly right in that in that uh, assessment of being able to use these portals. I think it was more of a mental, um, a state of mind, rather than using some great technology to open it up or whatever. That's yeah. that's absolutely true. I think there's I, also go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think there's also so much like ritualistic gratitude given to Mother Earth and like time that was spent of like being, you know treating everything with respect and like allowing themselves to connect with the planet uh, in a way that even, I mean, technology. I, I think even just like speeding up the process of like farming and all of that stuff. It it, it took away the time that was like really given to give thanks and to connect mm-hmm. with the environment.
0: Yeah, I think so, you're exactly
1: right. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, and many of the folks are chiming in here, saying the same exact thing. You know, Max asked this question here, this this thought here. I wonder what can be done if that mind, if only we knew how to train ourselves, or have we missed that window of learning, like when we were young? And when you were young, and your mind is a sponge, and you're just soaking everything in. And I think that I think in in a way that 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 time, like you said, Max, that when you're young, I think that that I don't. I think we can get back there, but that I don't think the window is closed to us, but as you go through life and you're being taught by your parents and experiences and stuff, you start to, you start to close, you know, out those possibilities. What's your thoughts on that, James?
2: Yeah, no, I'm a firm believer that, uh, when, you know, we're young, we're so open-minded and then we're purposely taught to close that off that, uh, things, uh, that can't be explained aren't necessary and that we need to start being programmed to be good workers and go to our cubicles and make money for the three people at the top of the yeah. food chain. And, you know, my wife tells me, don't get me started on this. So Jeff, don't get me started on this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um,
1: well, this might actually be a good time in talking about children. Uh, yes. I had a question for you, uh, James. Yep. So, um, I've been speaking with this researcher in the UK, her name is Donna Thomas, and she's at the University of Lancaster, Lancashire, I wrote it down, so I would not forget. Anyhow, uh, she does research on children and their, like, uh, children having experiences and the things that they see, and exactly what we're just talking about, how like, you know, their minds start to close down when they're told not to. Anyhow. I was at a conference with her, and something really struck me in her presentation, and this is why I've continued the conversation with her, was she has these drawings that kids have drawn of the things that they've seen, and one of the drawings that she presented looked exactly like uh, the Holy Ghost from Horseshoe Canyon. Am I saying that right? I think it's in the Great Gallery of Horseshoe Canyon. Um, the,
2: oh, you're talking about uh, Barrier Canyon style uh, yes. petroglyphs. Yes. No, okay. it, was
1: the ex- it looked identical. The shape, yeah. the lines, everything, um, which I was really striking to me. And so I spoke with her and she is actually doing research right now, um, going through all of these images from around the world that are petroglyphs and pictographs and comparing them to these uh, drawings that these children have made that have been presented to them um, that are considered to be high strangeness or associated with like paranormal activity or uh, monsters or what have you. And I'm curious if you've, I mean, I don't know, have you ever heard of anything like that? Have you ever compared or seen any, any of the images that you've studied in other places in association with um, by happenstance of, again children drawing these things that they're seeing and this is on i mean this is in europe so it's she had no idea that it looked like that brought it to her attention because she's got so many that she's going through i think she said there's like forty thousand images over 300 countries that she's comparing these things to um i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that if you think that there's a relationship if they're if the pictographs show interdimensional beings could it be that Children are seeing these things, or something like that. I guess. Sorry, that was a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, I, I, I think that's a possibility. You know, they haven't closed off their minds like we have as adults. And again, uh, I I made that comment earlier, where the shamanic practices or uh, these ways of entering what we've lost are through fasting. And just a slight change in these frequencies and vibrations, the amplitude, we're talking about an amplitude change. And if kids haven't lost that ability, why can't they see what we no longer do? Um, You know, people talk about a veil or or that uh, these dimensions are all around us. Uh, They're right up against us. And on occasion... You know out of the corner of our eye we catch these shadow figures or we see things that aren't supposed to exist but they're they're right there in front of us so yeah absolutely i i think there's potential i think we've lost that understanding of what it is there was a, a better and a deeper connectivity to that um you, you know again we we like to label everything paranormal not normal yep. high strangeness but I think to a lot of people, you know, to the Native American cultures, especially those in the past, not current. This was just normal practice, common, you know, commonly known information. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the current Native Americans are losing a lot of that understanding uh, of their culture and their past. Um, and, And, you know, like Jeff said, there's a lot going on not not just us constantly on those phones being dumbed down but all these uh, rf all this radio frequency traveling we have these long long extended radiation spectrum uh light that's going all around us and car- carrying all this information you know how can that not have an impact on what's in between our ears right you know mm-hmm. so
0: yeah i agree but that's really interesting what uh, what she has come up with there, uh, uh, Shannon, uh, you know, talking with this. So I, I think it might be interesting, uh, Shannon, if we could actually get James and her talking with one another and collaborating on uh, this the information that she's finding because I think that it does parallel. Now, you know, and, and we could go back, you know, something you had mentioned earlier, James, was talking about, you know, you know, the use of either a portals or the use of some sort of a, um, uh, um, I forgot the term for, it, but, you know, using your, uh, traveling, uh, remote viewing and things of that nature to be able to see what another culture was doing when, you know, and, then and and, 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 cause you see those parallels though. Some of the, some of the same looking carvings and petroglyphs in one area are the same as one, uh, like Shannon was saying, across the world in another place, they're very similar, almost look identical. And it's like, how did they do that? How did they copy that same look? You know, you look at the, uh, uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to think of the name of the, the, the it's a name of, a, of a, a giants, they're very large people, and you see them all carrying that, the carvings, you see them all around the world, they're all carrying like this purse. Every one of them has that purse, and I'm at a loss for their name at the moment, um, but they're all carrying like this purse, and they've got that band around their arm with the little, looks like a little, looks like a little flower. You see these carvings all over the earth. They're very similar. They might be slow, subtle changes, but they're all similar. How in the world did these people, all around the world, come up with this basically the same entity that they were interacting with, and they carved it out on their walls? How is that possible? Was that it was those peoples traveling around the world and making their presence known with all of them? Maybe. Or was there another way that they were traveling? You know, you, you talked about the portals, and this was something that, that I think that, um, you know, the, the, the petroglyphs um, have shown you know, these carvings where you see, you know, you had mentioned it at McConkey Ranch. You were talking about the one that looks like a portal. Uh, and I wish I had my pictures. I, I was trying to find some of the pictures that I had of I it. Mean, you might have some that you could share, but um, we didn't set that up in the pre-show. <laughs> But there was some of these portals. I mean, some of these things that looked like a, a portal, where coming out of it was a, a cow falling, or you know, a four-legged upside dog, down, like, yeah. upside down falling right. out of it, yeah. and a humanoid figure falling out of it. It's like what, that. What else could that be? But some sort of a port. I, I can't imagine what else that could possibly be.
2: Well, it's interesting. You know what? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna turn on the light. I faux pas okay. i forgot to turn it on and I'm, it's getting darker <laughs> and darker let me do that just real quick
0: okay no problem but you know that's that's something Shannon. you know we were you know thinking about that very thing and i and i thought my goodness you know what what else could it be other than some sort of a portal where you've got something well, that obviously looks like it's falling out of it upside down i just, well
2: here's what's funny is that was the petroglyph that made me start thinking about skinwalker ranch years ago because Um, I don't know how much I believe in everything that was written in the book, uh, by Knapp and Kelleher. Uh, but there was one part where they were in the talking about the ranch next door, which was the Garcia ranch. And that a cow had fallen to its death just Mm -hmm. out of, and they were like, how the heck did that even occur? Right. And somebody had told me about that. And I was like, really? Because there's this petroglyph at McKee Spring, which is right next to McConkie Ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, same uh, vernal style Fremont, where it looks like there's this anthropomorphic figure that has horns is trapezoidal and has extended out its hand and has this uh, swirl. And it, then right next to it, uh, the same anthropomorphic creature smaller with the same swirl and now there's an animal maybe a wolf or an antelope falling upside down and another anthropomorphic figure and anthropomorphic just means it's Mm human-like so it looks like a, a person and an animal falling so it looks like they walked into something somewhere and then suddenly we're falling out of another one so one opens they walk into it maybe unknowingly and then it opens up and it happens to be in the midair. And now they're falling to, unfortunately, maybe their death or they're going to be injured. Right. But it was the same story. And I was like, well, that's interesting because the McKee spring and Skinwalker Ranch, Garcia Ranch are only about not even 30 miles away from each other. And that was what mm. got the ball rolling in, in that connection was that petroglyph in that story.
0: Yeah, I was trying to find a picture of it. It's truly fascinating. And you can't, I, I don't know how, again, they wrote down or they 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 recorded what they saw. And they recorded something that looks like a portal with things falling out of it on, you know, and, and I don't know how else, you know, it, you could look at that any other way. I really don't. I I'm just fascinated by that. And that's interesting that it was what it was like. It's catalyst for you to get rolling on all of this. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, One of the things too, that uh, you know about that is that not every one of those things we see as a swirl is, you know, considered, I don't think that you consider it a portal, but these things are found all this is one of the videos I was watching of yours. You know, these are, these things are like, all over the world, you know, in different areas, not just Skinwalker Ranch, but all over the place. We've seen that. And it was one of you were, and I don't remember the name of the place, but it was a a rock wall or, you know, with the rocks that are all cut exactly to fit perfectly together in this giant wall. And then there's a a cutout, a trapezoid, uh, like a trapezoid shaped cutout, like a door. You know, obviously I don't know how deep it is. It's it looks like it maybe you know six to inches to a foot deep or whatever, cut into it like a door. And then there's
2: a, a round hole or a rounduru oh, in yes, uh, thank you. Peru, yes. right next to Lake Titicaca. Yes, yeah. that's the yes. place.
0: I mean I don't know. And, and you talked about that stone that was found yeah. that looks like it might fit in there. Talk about that for a second. I mean, all over the world there's places that could very well have been potential portals.
2: Yeah, so you have multiple locations. There's one in, I believe it's in Jordan. The same thing, there's this uh, door feature carved out of solid stone in the middle of the desert. Nothing else around. I think it's the Midas door or something like that. And if you look closely, there's this circular recess down towards the bottom where it looks like something needs to be inserted. And you have it at Amarumuru. And I've actually looked at certain hot rocks or magnetic rocks that have been found in artifact collections. Mm -hmm. And some of them seem to be almost a perfect match. So maybe these were keys or some, some feature uh, in order to open up these gateways Uh, where they went. I don't know. Uh, But again, you know, we always, you hear a lot of these stories about solid rock being turned into this uh, ether Uh, And when you think about that, you're talking about like a liquid form or something. So uh, it's losing its uh, strength or whatever, Mm -hmm. its tension. And it's now having this capability of being opened and walked through. So, yeah, there's these very interesting stories in the past about things like that. And you really got to pay attention to the little tiny features and clues, you know, because You have a huge doorway and then you suddenly see another smaller doorway at the bottom of these with what looks like these little little round cut out areas and it it has to have meaning because it wasn't at one site it was at multiple sites just like it
0: yep yeah i think you're exactly i think you're right i mean i you know do do we have we don't have any proof of course we can't prove it until somebody figures out how to turn it on Mm uh we will never have proof and then of course you got the brave souls and i asked this one time at the skinwalker insiders uh you know on the chat and i said okay so let's say that uh you know a portal you find a portal you're going in or not you know <laughs> and what's the what's the consensus of the people and some are like most people are like oh you betcha i mean if you, even if you don't know where it's going are you going to go in and i'm like oh you know i mean the, the fear factor of where does it go? What if I end up stepping into a place where there's a vacuum and I don't have any air and I die instantly, but, you know. I,
1: or you just drop onto somebody else's ranch. Like or you town.
0: drop on the ground. Drop onto the Garcia Ranch. You have no
1: idea. <laughs> so,
0: so, I mean, are you going in or not? I I might toss a rock in first and listen to see what.
2: <laughs> yeah, there. that's interesting that you brought that up because the Meadow Project, uh, Trey Hudson and his team uh, there, I'm not going to divulge where it is because they they don't want that known. But it's deep south. Uh, they actually caught on infrared and thermal. Three of their team walking into a location that had just had a huge rectangular box seen on infrared out of nowhere. And as they did it, they disappeared. And they actually have video on this. And I've seen Trey Hudson's presentation twice. And it's incredible. And uh, I'm hoping he'll be at Phenomicon next year because (laughs) I I think uh, if you want to talk about uh, phenomena that needs to be seen by people and talked more about that, that's it. Because like you said, they walked into it not intentionally. They didn't know they were going and they were gone. And they said that the features around them changed instantly and it was pitch black. They couldn't see anything. So they had to slowly back out uh, oh, yeah. because they were running into these large brush that had these thick thistles on them and needles and, and just that experience and being able to have uh, visual confirmation that uh, the audience can see is just, it's insanely oh, crazy. crazy. Cause I mean, that's what everyone is always hoping to capture. Oh, absolutely. Oh my god! Well,
1: I hope that they put that out there. <laughs> <'Cause, yeah. laughs> I yeah, he, now he, he I'm, I'm, like very much want yeah. to see it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, have
0: a, I have a friend of mine, um, and I, I don't know if he's watching tonight or not. I haven't seen him say anything, but uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, by the name of Christian Roper. And Christian is working with a team of people right now on a new documentary. I think their, their uh, trailer for this documentary is going to be released tomorrow, I think. Um, and he, they were out at, in the uh, Utah Basin, and they were at a ranch next door to Skinwalker Ranch um, right on the other side of the fence. Uh, I don't know exactly which one or whatever, um, but they did some investigating out there. They were, they didn't go out there with investigative electronics. They went out there to talk to people and they have created and gathered a lot of information and they did see some stuff. Um, But that's going to be really interesting folks. And I'll, and I'll help to uh, share some of that as we go along. But, but again, that's one of the things that I know you are more into also is the, is speaking with the people and finding out some of the past, the legends, the, and the stories. And I think that's where you're going to find a lot. You you said that some of those have changed over the years and, you know, in in some degree, but um, that's where they've taken this. Um, So I think that uh, it's a, uh, it's an area where um, I, I don't want to spoil it. I, I still want to say some of the things that they've seen, and showed me, you know, some pictures of some stuff. But yeah, you gotta check this out. But it's again, it's they they have a video of that could very well be a portal themselves. Um very interesting uh stuff that they they, they saw while they were there and they're continuing on this. But anyway, I'm gonna have to get them hooked up with you. I'm gonna have to well, get Christian hooked up with you. <laughs>
2: I think I may have run into them on that property because one oh. of my uh, one of the larger magnetic uh, field disturbances, I believe, is on the same property we're talking
0: about. OK, yeah, I think you uh, did. It's now, the yeah, biggest
2: I... one. And I think they actually interviewed me if it's the same person. OK, yeah, so, I think it, is. it was coincidence that we ran into each other.
0: Yeah, they're they're getting ready to uh, come. Yeah, OK, yeah, please do, Shannon. Um, but yeah, I think they uh, yeah, I think they have met you and. In, and. In, uh... Now that you mentioned that I think he did say something about they might have met you but uh that's I mean all of this it's every one of you guys working on this stuff is what needs to take place because yeah we'll get it <laughs> B Jones says we'll get it out of you Jeff yeah I don't know I got to you got I I don't want to spoil it for for uh, for the team his team uh you know because it's really good stuff. And I think that it's like we were, have been talking about all night now. It's things that need to come out. We need to get this information out there. Uh, go ahead, Shannon, with your question. I know you had one.
1: Um, this is on topic and off topic at the same time. Um, so watching the video of uh, yourself and Carl the Crusher and Thomas and Eric and Chris Bartel and everybody going down into the caverns. Is that what I would call it? (laughs) Is that that proper caverns? Um, There was a couple of things that struck me that I'm curious about, which is uh, there seems to be a lot of, uh, you guys were referencing gold and iron and all of these things. So I'm curious as to why like the geological survey for the basin doesn't show that many metals in it. Um, I say that because I spoke to a professor at Stanford because I was interested in the whole quasi crystal thing. And, um, and he agreed to take like a, a look at the, the geological survey that I had presented to him, which was uh, official, like it was from the state of Utah over a couple of different surveys. And he was like, there's not, it doesn't, there doesn't appear to be that much metal in the, in this area. And I was surprised because of, you know you guys being down there and talking about gold and all of these things so is there in fact metals down there and it's just not showing up on the surveys is there a reason that it's not showing up on the surveys um can you say anything (laughs) sure
2: (laughs) so (laughs) So there's a, we have run into all type of Spanish artifacts. Uh, I actually found uh, a, ha, a 1810 Spaniard half real um, in the Uinta Mountains. Oh my
1: gosh.
2: And uh, we documented that, but. So we know the Spaniards were there. As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to be putting out a video real soon about what I call the Paradise Mound up in the Uinta Mountains. It's up at 11,000 feet, and there's these monuments that are there, and there's holes in them to zero in on a ancient underground location. Mm-hmm. Um, I call that Tamwan Khan. I believe it's origin, um, and there's a lot of artifacts, probably caches of gold there, and. That would be a four hour discussion. But um, so through the Uinta mountains, remember you have uh, these east west running mountains instead of the normal north south. You have this major fault line uh, that runs across it where there is a lot of mineralization. And until recently, a lot of geologists were not willing to say there was mineralization occurring until Until now, they're starting to see the new data on this fault. And as they go and walk it, we've done it. We're finding mines, ancient mines everywhere. As a matter of fact, one had been reopened in the summer when we were there. And we went into it. It went 85 feet back. And then there was a vertical shaft in the back that we couldn't see an end to. But it had been closed up so quickly that all the artifacts were still in there. There were these iron wood buckets, iron nails the iron cart and the rails nothing had been taken out because it had been sealed so quickly wow. and After, somebody like reopened it so, so
1: i thought it was interesting sorry go ahead
2: oh no 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 go ahead
1: i, I was just gonna say i thought it was interesting that the uh it looked like there was funding that was given by the, the i think the federal government to do mineral research uh, in the basin to the University of Utah. I remember reading about that like last uh, fall, I wanna say. And I'm, and I'm curious if that's because they are finding these minerals. And I know that I've read about like these gilsonite explosions and where they've had to seal mm-hmm. things off. Um, so is that, did they just like abandon, are you saying that they just sort of like abandoned it or did, was there an explosion?
2: Well, well no, I, we're, I was talking about gold mines uh, that okay, we, gold we were mines. more than likely in. Uh, I saw Carl was here. He, he, he was there at the mine, too. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, there's uranium all over the place on the Uinta Basin. They have uranium mines. Uh, the Gilsonite, yeah, and the, and during World War II caught fire and there were massive explosions. Uh, uh, that yep. It was crazy. Yeah, you you know, gilsonites only found. Well, it, it's only known as gilsonite on the Uinta Basin, but that type of hydrocarbon, that that hardened hydrocarbon, is only found in like three locations. I think one is in Iran, and another is in Russia, but the best is there in the Uinta Basin. So you wow. have very unique uh, geologic mm-hmm. uh, structures underground. You have this mineralization that that's. Uh, Very interesting because there wasn't supposed to be gold in the Uinta mountains, but you have the Spaniards in there well before 1776 when they were supposedly first there with the expedition. Mm. So there there was just a lot, they did not want to be known. So they kept it very uh, secretive, but there's been cannons found armor, cannonballs located there's documentation. The photos are in uh, older books from the 60s, 70s, and the early 80s. Again, it's just how far are you willing to research, you know, and how far back do you want to go to see that uh, things aren't necessarily how we're being told. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to change. You see just a ton of mineralization occurring around uh, certain locations that are getting a lot of publicity recently, you know, other than Skinwalker Ranch in that area. So, yeah, that's do, you, go ahead. do you
1: think that any of these odd, so I'm thinking of more of like uh, reaction that could happen from like a combustion or a fire or something like that, that could be um, producing some sort of uh, mineral and of it's like the quasi crystal, for example, being something that, you know, was accidentally synthesized at the Trinity site, but then we're finding it now where like meteor, you know, meteors have hit the planet. And I'm curious if any of that, if there's, if there could be something in minerals that could be exacerbating like the magnetic fields or that acting as any, you know, sort of charging or lessening sure. or anything. Um, any thoughts on that? Sorry.
2: Yeah, I've, I, I've actually <laughs> considered that as one of the possibilities to the magnetic field differences. And remember, it's very transient there, which is unusual because like I'll be in one spot and I'll have like a negative 14 um, micro Tesla reading, which when the average is probably about a 45 to 48 in that location, micro Tesla to get a negative 14, you're talking, you know, anything below that should be some massive void but then a minute later you have a 92 or 100 micro tesla reading and you're like well that should be some massive magnet underground Mm
1: -hmm. so what the
2: heck's going on because it's i haven't moved the magnetometer so I personally believe that water is involved for that. And I think I showed that on the episodes of the show that I was on that. There's going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. I think that there's high magnesium and moderately saline water traveling underneath the basin and the mountains. Um, You know, I've shown we've been under underground in these caverns and mines that are connected to them. uh, And they're all over that area everywhere and they go on for miles and miles, and, and it's amazing, and, and some lead to underground lakes that are known as wow. sumps, wow. and uh, I, I had, when I was with uh, the Skinwalker team uh, during the summer, I wish we had like inflatable canoes or something, because we could have uh, filmed being down there going through it. It would have made like a great Disneyland ride or something, <laughs> you know, because it was just incredible wow. just to be able to go through them on water, but you know, unfortunately oh. we didn't have that type of equipment
0: <laughs> with us i mean yeah that would uh, i i tell you what yeah i i don't know if this is what ron said uh border- i think
1: it's vertical veins or- <laughs> like like de- <laughs> <Yeah>. vertical
0: <band. laughs> yeah that's uh you know and that that was anyone know, that was something that i mentioned you know i had that little um you know, intro the intro to the show tonight it was it, me i was talking about you you were out there with your instruments and you were taking readings um at Skinwalker Ranch or on the ranch, and you were talking about that a line that went from up north through across the Mesa all the way down to the south, and it intersected. It went right across, I guess, the, the triangle area or right there nearby the triangle area. Um, talk a little bit about that and the instrumentation that you used when you were there, because um, I, as I mentioned to you before, I know that there was a lot of film taken, and we get to see such a small portion on the show of actual Uh, what you took place there. Could you take us through that a little bit and what that underground water, was that what you were finding there?
2: Yeah. So um, and I got to watch what I say, uh, obviously. So I was using a vector magnetometer. So it's it's measuring the magnetic field and it can also give direction. It's directional as to where it's coming from. Um, Because remember, you can't ever stop a magnetic field. You can only divert it. Uh, And what I had found was over the course of taking hundreds and hundreds of readings at many different locations, I mean, it's just tedious and boring, but uh, I, I don't know why I did it and, and I'm glad I did it, Yeah, but I, I, I found these certain locations that lined up perfectly with these transient magnetic readings where the magnetic field was transitioning. It was moving anywhere between a negative 14 micro Tesla up into the hundreds and and that that shouldn't occur. No. There should be one reading there. And remember during the course of the day, solar radiation and things can change it slightly, very minor changes, but nothing between 120 difference, uh, micro Tesla difference should ever occur but it was occurring. And these four locations lined up. One of them was on the triangle. And <clears throat> I believe that there had to be some type of water source involved uh, through some type of void, uh, meaning a cavern system or a tunnel system, mm-hmm. whether that was natural, artificial, or a combination of the two. I believe it's a combination of the two. Really? I think maybe something... Someone tapped into that in the past, especially under the Mesa. There's a lot of uh, unique data that I've collected there that I, mm, gosh, I would love to share and I just can't.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I didn't want to uh, get into your NDA. I don't want to. Yeah. Put that in but just that.
2: imagine if, if we're talking about structures underneath the Mesa. Consider the fact that if we are picking up voids under the mesa is it because there's a structure that's been covered up and is creating the void are we finding maybe ancient structures that existed in the past uh, are we finding maybe old mine systems that are creating those voids that have a lot of like what shannon was saying these different minerals or metals mm-hmm. or a combination um it's crazy i Uh, Up in the mountains, I took an iridium sample that came out at 66 parts per million, which is massive. I mean, most meteor strikes don't equal, they're usually show up between the 40 and the 53 range Mm -hmm. of parts per million. So um, how do we have that much iridium? Does that play into everything? But yeah, so I followed this line. I got the opportunity to test the triangle which took hours upon hours that you don't see. You see me for, I think, 10 minutes, but we had created grid pattern searches, put down flags, and went from point to point for hours until we located these magnetic differences on the triangle, which fit perfectly into that line. Mm -hmm. And uh, I personally believe that there's some type of energy below the triangle that is powering something above the triangle that is then sending out something to space. And you actually see this in a petroglyph out at cup Creek in dinosaur national monument, which would have had Mm. the ability to see the same thing in the air as you would have from, uh, from the ranch. So Mm. it it was there, it was occurring in the past and they've documented it already. So Uh it's just crazy interesting. And, And then, you know, you find, you know, they've showed that there's these hoops, or these uh, circles on the ranch up on the Skinwalker Ridge Mm -hmm. that have Native American, Indigenous people connections. Yep. Just like that medicine wheel that I was at. So you have this strange energetic capabilities within them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they went out there and they drilled. I think you had said something to them about that. And then you go out there with the rig, they drilled down, and lo and behold, they end up hitting a source of water. Right. And I know in that one camera, and again, there's so little footage that we get to see on TV, but in that one camera shot, they're looking down into the well they dug. It's basically a well. And they look down in there, and you can see the water is rapidly moving down there, rapidly moving. Like they hit some underground channel of water. It looked to me anyway that way. And then later on, the guys were working in different areas. Travis and Caleb were in one area, and they were around different places on the ranch. And that's when their compasses started, you know, whacking yep. out. One was pointing off to north, and the other one's pointing at the drill rig. And that's what I had mentioned in that intro. That was one of the, the episodes I was talking about that. It's like, why would it be pointing at the drill rig? You know what? Did it tap into, did it, was it creating a, magnet, a magnetic field by exactly. its drill down there? And then, whoop, now your compass is pointing at it because that's
2: the strongest field? Yeah. You you know, what's kind of interesting too is Bottle Hollow Reservoir wasn't uh, dammed and filled until 1970. So now you have this massive amount of water, less than three miles, the south end of it is less than three miles away from the mesa and the ranch. What if there's sinkholes that have appeared formed underneath it and now you have this this breach of water into the old cavern system? You know, what's that doing to uh, that? magnetic energy that's always been there, you know, that had the Paiute, had the Shoshone, the Timpanogos uh, gathering there on another property, on a mound that's located there watching the Skinwalker Ridge. And I I always want to make people aware that the Ute, the Ute really aren't the history we should be tracking. They've only been there for uh, since the 1850s when they were forced to move over from Colorado. We need to be looking at the Timpanogos, the snake band of the Shoshone that were unfortunately lumped into the Ute reservation and they're trying to gain their sovereignty. They're in a fight with that right now because there's only like 300 of them, but they're the ones who have this Chief Wakara. Chief Wakara was part of their band. Um, And that history that ties into the ranch comes from them or the Paiute, the Paiute were have the... The longest history going back to about a thousand common era, a thousand fifty common era in that area. And then before that is the Fremont, which, you know, if you went on that tour with me, we discussed in detail that they're really a, this desert archaic people that we don't know who they were, mm-hmm. but probably turned into the Aztec in Mexico when they migrated south. So we have this connection between Mesoamerica, connection to more ancient indigenous people, connection to water uh, energizing what's been there for thousands of years and maybe there's structures under that mesa that are now inundated with this moderately saline water that has positive ions that are charging whatever's happening you know And, and and it's just crazy because i mean gosh i would love to explain and talk about other technology software that i've seen being used of imagery above the triangle and it's fascinating what's been captured um but i better stop there
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) all right i know carl carl has been making a lot of comments already he said ask Mm -hmm. about the hot rocks (laughs) and then he said uh the ancient yes the ancients uh and others were copying from yeah i mean talking about ley lines um thanks carl i appreciate your uh, your input over here too I, I i'm gonna have to do this It's all there is to it i'm gonna have to have a show with all three of you guys uh, <laughs> and this will be a show where i can just kick back and, and just let you go because sure. it's gonna be that informative uh but you guys have done so much it's it's really incredible and 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 also with the the whole thing with skinwalker ranch and that uh, i think you're so right with that water that's passing down through there and it's creating um some some magnetic fields and who knows what else that it could be creating one of the things that uh, somebody had mentioned here too is that how do you think that that would and we got to wrap up here pretty soon but how do you think that that would affect brain uh brain waves and and the people's i mean is that oh, that's a great
2: question
0: yeah how deep I, does
2: that go <laughs> yeah i i honestly believe that it w- would have an effect on our brain's ability and pathways of maybe being able to uh, focus out that energy to a greater distance and we're talking about remote viewing and and what was Nids and Bass really into you know right. they they did Osap the advanced aerospace weapon system application program and when they initially put in their request to the government they had listed a bunch of these things that the government was like oh gosh no you can't do that but I'm sure they did it anyways, because they never used $22 million. <laughs> so, um, I think what they really wanted to do was focus in on that and they did it. They did it even secret to the government entities that were watching them, the DOD, or at least that's what I feel from reading the information that is available. And I, I promise you, I've delved into it deeply. And, uh, I, I just real quick, um, To show you how deep this is, my <laughs> wow, you, you know, just how many notes and, and, and what we're looking first at, first but Pentagon, yeah, right? I so I, I absolutely think that was just a great question because I think that anything that creates this uh, higher increase in energy mm-hmm. allows our minds, uh, our brain function, uh, greater capabilities and. and yep. You know, we've labeled it uh, telekinesis, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, or ESP, extrasensory perceptions, but whatever it was, it was better known in the past than it is today. Right. I agree. I don't think
1: it was. Yeah, it wasn't looked at the same way as, it. you know, like those were the, those are the people that you went to. They were revered, I think, in a lot of, you know, older cultures and things and, and then there was a shift to them being, like, the ostracized, like... Yeah, the crazy
0: nutjob on the corner that's talking about the end of the or, times or whatever, yeah.
1: <laughs> or just being, like, categorized with being, like, evil or, like, right. d- yes. you know, like... Very true. And that became, like, you know, you don't talk to those people.
2: Even though yeah. it,
1: doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that they're acknowledging that they exist. They're not saying that what they're saying isn't right. They're just saying that you shouldn't be talking to them. She's a witch. Yeah, she's a witch. And I think that that's, yeah. I mean, maybe it's starting to come back around because it is becoming more talked about and, uh, you know, the.
0: Manipulating your brain. Right there you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You must, Carl must have started late because that's what we opened up with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it made me sick. Yeah. The energies definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He talked, he mentioned about the hot rocks too. We kind of talked about that as well, but yeah, that's uh, you know, cause it can, I mean, if it's going to be able to affect your brain in some way and your wavelengths of your brain and this, this goes into other topic. I wish we had so much more time because I would, there's so much uh, that I, you, your interests are aligned with mine in many ways, talking about, you know, the whole, you know, thing with your brain waves and the, and the frequencies and vibrations about how our brains work sure. and the things that we're so limited on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can touch. You know, um, you know, Jake Roberts, I saw was here earlier and we had an episode we talked about, I called it Can't Touch This. And it was about if we're so limited on what we can see, we're so limited about what we can hear. Are we also limited on what we can actually touch as well? Is that one of our limitations that we have? So are things existing around us? because but we just can't see touch hear or smell or, or you know
2: that's absolutely right yeah mm-hmm. it it
1: has
0: to be i mean i i totally believe that and also talking about the fact that you know you have like uh you know paranormal investigations i've done paranormal investigations over many years and i think that personally some some of the things that i have seen or heard are not a ghost entity i think and you mentioned this uh talking about you had this question, did our ancestors know a way to overcome the dimensional barrier? And I think those are places where dimensions are intertwining for just a moment in that place, in that time. And now you're seeing that interaction, that folder, that bleeding have, over. Yeah, you
2: have a compression of space time. And, and we've agree. seen that on the ranch uh, when uh, two of the bass security saw a, a dire wolf appear. Yes, uh, there was that compression of time and then it they chased it and it just disappeared. So right. it's not just a single individual seeing it and, and it's hearsay. It's two people. And what's crazy is those two people were then shipped off to Reno to have magnetic resonance imaging done of their brain. Mm-hmm. So it, it was documented that, hey, this occurred. Mm-hmm. We had this shift occur. And I honestly, I'm telling you, it's because of a magnetic field coming into contact with an electromagnetic field. Uh, NASA is, is studying that above us right now out in space. It can occur here in the planet. I, I, I've, so. I have seen some very strange things where that is the only way I can explain it. And uh, I think over time, when I gather more information, I'll, I'll put that on my YouTube, but I have to be positive. And one thing when we're on this, you know, I think one thing that's going to break this open and I have not been able to speak to them, they won't, they won't talk to me. Uh, and I've sent out a lot of emails. So if anybody knows the Timpanogos on the Ute reservation, please let's get in touch. Let's talk to them because they have all this historical information as to what was occurring at that location. Chief Wakara was uh, part of that band, that snake band, that Timpanogos band of the Shoshone and and they're as important to uh, cracking this this uh, code of what's occurring at the ranch and on the, the mesa. Um, so yeah, th- I, yeah, I had to get that out too.
0: Oh man, i got yeah. If anybody does, please get in touch with uh, get in touch with James and help him out with that because that's again that's another area where we got to get some get some investigation into this. Uh, it, it, there's so many there's so many questions. There's so much yet that needs to be done and documentation and research. And it just there, this whole area, you know, it's like I was saying about the whole UFO thing, you know, why are these UFOs showing up in this area? I think like you, you were talking about in, in some of your videos was that these things are very well connected together, you know um, all these different things happening, somehow they're interlaced with each other in some way. um, And, and it's just a matter of, of being able to figure out, you know, can we ever figure it all out? I don't know that we ever can. I don't think, I don't know if mankind is capable of figuring.
2: out. Sure. What if the Our orbs are, are entities, you know, that's something yeah. that not yeah. a lot of people will. Yeah. They're, that's I the, found yeah. that picture. There's that yeah, picture. That's yeah. the key spring. Yeah.
0: yeah. And here they are. If they're, it looks like they're falling out upside down out of some sort of a, what's this guy doing? Is he falling in his head? You know, did his head come off and land down here? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. And in this swirl pattern here, I mean, it's just, here's that arm you were talking about. That's holding. right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You, you know, you you can see where people have tried to do other things and put their initials inside here and all that. Please don't ever do something like that. My gosh, you're, you're destroying something that is so historical how about with the bullet needed? holes and the bullet holes? Yeah. The bullet hole. Who thought about, Oh yeah, let me shoot that target. It looks like a target. Let me shoot that. It's like, no, come on, please don't do that. And stay off Skinwalker ranch. If you're not invited, quit trying to jump the fence people. Come on. I had to throw that out there too. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they, you know, that's one of those things where just stay the heck off of there. Oh uh, man. Oh man. I tell you, you know, there's so many other things that, you know, you and I could speak about. I, I, I'm going to have to have you back on the show. Um, And again, maybe with Carl and and uh, and uh, uh, Chris Bartel uh, as a group to come back on, because this this information, I mean, it's it's I'm so excited about it and I want to know so much more. And that's why I invite folks like you, uh, you know, James, to come on the show, to share this with us and share your research with us. Um, It just it, it it's something i really like to know and i'm interested in it and so that's why i like to share it and that's why i bring you guys on the show to do that very thing thank you so very much there's so many other things that we could talk about the zuni people i mean uh yeah <laughs> pole shifts yeah you you talked about pole shifts in in one of your videos and all of that it's just so much my goodness uh any last thoughts as we as we wrap up today's show or tonight's show
2: um You know, uh, well, like I like I always say, I I think it's uh, great that we there's uh, podcasts like this that allow um, for researchers to be able to connect with the audience, because I'd probably say about 75 percent of the information that I've come about and and received is from people watching these um, or you know, I'll be eating uh, at a restaurant in Vernal and somebody will just come up to me and start telling me, you know, about this and that. And a lot of people at the drop of a hat, ignore that, or they um, dismiss it. And I think that's where the most vital information comes from. So yeah, I absolutely appreciate being on the show with uh, you and Shannon and, and, you know, giving me the time to, uh, go through the uh, information that I have, but also to be able to connect with the audience because I'm sure there's people out there that have a lot of stories or have personal experiences that actually are pieces of the puzzle. Yes. A- right. And, uh, and mind you, I may not get to you right away cause I get lots and lots of, uh, messages or, uh, emails, but I will answer. I try to answer everything on the YouTube as quickly as I can because, uh, I think we're all working together in order to, and I think that's why everybody is so fascinated by it. It's something that I, I feel passionate about solving. I, I have this need and desire to know, to know the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Yep. Maybe that was when from being a police officer, but wow. uh, you know, I think it's embedded in all of us. It wasn't just from law enforcement, and right. I, it's a puzzle that everybody is working on. And, and someone that you never think would have a piece of that puzzle has it.
0: Yeah, that's very so true. And I know that like you, you know, see, seeing you sitting in a restaurant, especially if you're with a group of people, family or whatever, I would be so hesitant to walk over and bother <laughs> you. I'd be like, I'm not going to bother him with this stupid thing. And, you know, It might be a dumb question or something or, or a dumb comment. But, you know, folks, his YouTube page is there. All of it. And it, like I said, it's linked below. Go to his YouTube page. Subscribe to his channel and check out some of the information that he has shared and, you know, make your comments, your questions. Like he said, he'll read them. He'll respond to you. Eventually, he'll get to it. Um, and, uh, you know, but that's something that I think that, you know, folks need to go. Carl Crusher, his, his page is awesome. So much information there from both of you. And uh, just, it, you have to go check these out, folks. You really do. Um, because if you're interested in this, and if you have any ideas about it, then that's where you need to go and look at the research and all the things that they're doing to try to get to some answers. Shannon, what do you think? I mean, uh, you have any uh, parting thoughts or questions that you want to put out?
1: Oh, my mind is just buzzing now. I, I know. know so. been, I've, been, I've been, I've been taking so many notes, just like <laughs> scribbling down, like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to look that up. i have got to research that. Um, no, this has been such a pleasure. I could keep going. I mean, I know, so many I know. questions. I- so fascinating, and so many questions. Um, so this has been just really wonderful. Thank you yeah, Richard, for yeah. allowing me to be part of it.
0: Oh yeah, you're fantastic. I, I'm really happy to uh, uh, to have you here. I really am because I, I think you add so much, and your questions are always good, and your insights. And you know, there's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna delve into this a little bit further, folks. And so we're gonna bring uh, hopefully have uh, James come back and join us again at some point. Um, uh, if you had a good experience here with us today, um, but uh, that this is this is something that we have to continue the research, um, and it's just my pleasure to have you on the show, James. Thank you oh, so thank much you. for being my guest here tonight, Shannon. Thank you so much for being my co-host tonight, folks. Thank we've had you. we've been running about 120 people here watching tonight, and thank you so much for being here. Click that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like the content of our show. It helps to get it out there so more people will see it on YouTube. That's how that kind of thing works. Um, and thank you for those of you who donated. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ron and uh, B. Jones, I, thank you so very much. That was so kind of you. I appreciate that very, very much. Um, and I'm going to close. Somehow or another, I'm going to quit talking, and I'm going to close. But thank you again, folks, for being here tonight. Uh, don't forget that we do have um, – Next week, uh, 7.30 on uh, the 26th, uh, we've got Chris Bartell coming on. And uh, I hate to I, – I, I almost – I like having him on by himself because he has so much to share. But I, I'm going to see at some point if we can get all three of you guys on. Mm-hmm. I out if we can work this out. What a show that's going to be if we can work this out with you guys. Again, thank you, folks, for being here with us tonight. And don't forget to click and subscribe. Thank you. We'll catch you next time right here on the JFree 906 podcast. Good night, everyone.